Friends, grace to you and peace from God the Father and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You hardly need me to tell you that the first century, the time of Jesus' earthly ministry, was a time of immense scarcity and great need among almost all people. Almost everyone who lived in Judea, the place where Jesus carried out his ministry, would have either been a subsistence farmer always in danger of starvation if the weather went wrong or the crops went badly, or a daily wage earner always on the search for enough work to survive. Jesus tells parables about those kinds of people. And they never know where they're going to get their next wages to help survive. Bone-crushing poverty was a given for most people. And disease, famine, and real political oppression. Jesus would have seen hundreds of people crucified in his own lifetime before his own crucifixion. These things were never far away for people. All of which meant that the gospel of the early church, the early Christians' good news... The Christians who shared their resources with one another, who gave help to the poor, who sheltered widows and orphans, who cared for the ill. The good news about the man they worshipped, Jesus, was that he provided for the hungry and the downtrodden. He fed thousands of hungry people and had ample leftovers. This man told his followers not to worry or to fret about tomorrow because God would provide for them. All of this, I think, resonates with any of us who have ever felt any pinch of need in our lives. But often, not as much as it ought to. In my household, like in yours, I'm sure, I clean out the fridge once a week or so, and throw away a lot of food. Most of us have income above and beyond what we need to pay the bills that we set aside for vacation, for birthday presents, for savings. All of which means that it's easy for us to lose sight of the astounding nature of Jesus feeding the hungry, and providing for material needs with such ease. But the miracle, the sign in today's gospel lesson, helps us to reframe and understand more deeply Jesus' ministry of providing for his people. The point of Jesus' miraculous providing of food and healing And in today's gospel lesson, the providing of wine for a wedding feast is not as much to show us that Jesus is a dependable provider of necessities, though he is. He is much, much more than that. The point that John wants to make to us in today's gospel lesson is to show us that Jesus sees what we need And gives us abundantly far more than what we could ask for or even imagine. Now, I don't know about you, but I can imagine quite a lot. But what Jesus does in our gospel lesson today surprises even me 
And it ought to surprise all of us. Jesus provides for this wedding feast in Cana 175 gallons of wine above and beyond what the people at the feast have already had. And we can probably be assured that they'd had a lot by the point the wine ran out. Of course, we don't know how many people were at the wedding feast in Cana, but by any estimation, 175 gallons is quite a bit of wine. I'm a home brewer. I make beer at home from time to time. And let me tell you that a five-gallon carboy full of beer will last quite a long time in my household. Jesus, in our gospel lesson today, wants to prolong the feast, to amp up the celebration. Jesus wants to give the people at the feast joy. He doesn't just want to supply their bare needs, but to give them far more than they can ask for or imagine. I'm afraid that for all of us who are incessant strivers, who feel a drive to achieve, those of us who are workaholics, who want our top priority to be always being useful, Jesus has some rather jarring news in our gospel lesson today. His priority for ministry is not just to fulfill our bare minimum needs, but to give us everything that we can dream of above and beyond those needs. Think of it this way. We don't or we shouldn't marry our spouse because of the material goods that they share with us. We don't and we shouldn't choose our friends because they have use value for our lives. We spend time with our friends and we delight in the company of our spouses because these people bring us joy. We simply like to be around them for the good that they bring to our lives. We spend time with them for no other reason than the sheer happiness that they provoke in us. Now, many Christians posit that Jesus is good. Jesus is worthy of praise. Jesus is worth laying down our lives for because he's come to change the arrangements in the world politically and inspire us to pass certain laws and policies. And for many other Christians, the gospel that's preached has to do with the moral purity that Jesus came to establish. Jesus is good because He helps us to be really good. Friends, both of these perspectives have a nugget of truth in them. And it's true that if we encounter Jesus without exhibiting changed lives, we have to wonder if we really encountered Him in the first place. But at the end of the day, we Christians worship the Lord Jesus. We give him thanks and we spend our otherwise productive time singing hymns and kneeling down and lifting our hands and offering prayers because Jesus himself is good. Because Jesus brings every delight that we could ever want. Because Jesus satisfies all our desires and then some. Because Jesus is the fulfillment of everything we could ask for or imagine. And Jesus 
always has more to give to us. David and Anne Marie are living proof of that today. Many of us in this congregation knew David and his former wife Enid, and we walked with them through a long time of suffering as Enid died of cancer. I know that David had a long and fulfilling marriage with Enid, and in many ways he wasn't looking for another relationship. But Anne-Marie brought a surprising joy into his life. And the relationship and the joy that it brings to them is a blessing to all of us. And I know Anne-Marie has told me the same about David. She wasn't necessarily looking for a relationship, but it happened. And it brings them joy. And their joy is a blessing to all of us and a testimony to the goodness of God. Our gospel lesson and the wedding feast that we share in today is a reminder of the promise of God for all of us. The promise of God for all of us is that into the locked rooms of our hearts, Jesus promises to come and surprise us with unexpected abundance. Into our ordinary, drab situations, Jesus promises to pour out His startling joy. Jesus promises to fulfill for us longings we didn't even realize we had, with abundantly far more than we could ask for or imagine. What if, what if you and I could cultivate That expectation that Jesus will provide for us not just a little, but a lot. What would it look like if we could live in the assurance of God's rich abundance? I pray, Anne-Marie and David, that in your life together, you'll be able to cultivate that expectation and model for all of us what it looks like. To expect the God of abundance to show up and give us the gift of joy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.